0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I want to hear cannons. Outfield, pull up, ball of the five, touchdown Tampa Bay. My, heavens does it again. Fire the cannons, Bucks. It's first and goal. That's picked up. Down 18, dropping Gannon,
1: looking Gannon, looking Gannon, those up at the head to the side at the 30, Derek Brooks 30, looks to the
0: 29th, Derek Brooks all the way. There it is, the dagger's in, we're gonna win the Super Bowl. And then the cannons go, fire them, keep on firing them, keep on firing them.
1: We are back live with a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Rep Matthew. Joined alongside me, my good buddy and co-host from Mr. Bucks Nation, James Hill, is back on the podcast, filling in for the missing Evan Wanish. And today, we will take a look ahead at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers matchup against the Houston Texans, both teams three and four. And while the Texans have a little bit more positive momentum this time of the season, the Bucks just looking to turn things around losers of their last three games Todd Bowles has said that you don't want these losses to snowball but it's hard to argue that things are not already snowballing with three straight losses but the Bucks obviously have also had a lot of time off these past couple of weeks so you hope that that's enough to get them right get them healthy and get them ready for a win here in front of this crowd and of course the Houston Texans this weekend
0: James how you doing I'm doing good man thanks for having me on I'm happy to be filling in for Evan and uh yeah, this you kind of said it. Um, this is really an important game for the Bucks to get back on track. They've lost three straight now. Um, all of them have been, you know, obviously not the best losses in the world in terms of just overall efficiency for the team. Um, y- you go from three and one to three and four. Uh, and right now, like this is the most important game for the Bucks this year up to this point right? If I'm going to tell you what four and four looks a whole heck of a lot better than three and five. So um, you also have the Atlanta Falcons and new Orleans saints playing some very very winnable games who are already ahead of the Buccaneers and the NFC South standings right now. So yeah, I, I would go as far as say this is a must win for the bucks.
1: Yeah. Quite the understatement there as this NFC South division that we have talked about is still wide open. So Even if you fall to 3-5 and with some favorable matchups over the next few weeks, I still think the Bucs shouldn't be too far out of that NFC South division race, but obviously looking to get that lead back from the Atlanta Falcons. Now, before we talk about the game this week, we did want to talk about how the NFL trade deadline has come and gone on October 31st, 4 p.m. That was the deadline, and uh, nothing happened. The Bucs did not buy or sell any pieces, but we did get a spicy report, courtesy of the New York Post. I guess, subtweeted by Rick Stroud from the Tampa Bay Times. Apparently, the New York Jets were one of the teams who were calling teams, trying to make some trades happen, especially at the veteran wide receiver position, because come to find out, the Jets called Tampa Bay and the Raiders multiple times about trying to get a hold of guys like Mike Evans and Devontae Adams just to be turned away and said that those teams are not interested in trading those guys. Now, the details of when this report initially came out is what people have been going back and forth on, because I had seen Stroud mention that this was back in August, but it's still newsworthy, and I guess it is still evergreen, and I guess it reinforces the thought process the Buccaneers have at this time of the season with the trade deadline. Even though they are 3-4, and they're still not sellers, and they are looking forward to Mike Evans at least finishing what may possibly be his final season in Tampa, but I, I do think the Bucs not moving him at all at the trade deadline definitely opens the door for that conversation a little bit more here at the end of the season about possibly retaining Mike Evans.
0: A couple of things, right? So firstly, I had actually made a video about this Rhett, on my channel. We talked about it before we went live. One, I read an article published October 31st, 2023, halloween night at 9 18 p.m by brian costello of the new york post jets asked about Devonte adams mike evans before nfl trade deadline so i mean really it's subjective who are you going to believe you're going to believe the the bucks beat reporters stroud uh, you know almond and all them or are you going to believe the new york post's beat reporters and brian costello i don't know it's subjective you do whatever you want to do um people who are in with the jets say that you know, they, the Jets were asking before the NFL trade deadline, people who are in with the Bucs are saying that he, they were asking at the start of the season, whatever. Point being is that the Jets did ask about Mike Evans at some point in time, possibly multiple points in time, depending on who you want to believe. Um, and the Bucks said no. And there's a couple of takeaways for me from that, Rhett. One is that if this did happen, before the trade deadline, this still speaks to me that the Buccaneers are committed to winning football games this year, right? They're not just going to be punting on the season. They're they're not going to be, you know, selling and, and looking to move guys and lose some games and whatnot. They still want to win football games. And I know some people are going to say, like, oh, well, what does it matter? Well, it matters because Todd Bowles wants to keep his job right? So he's going to still want to win some football games. Jason light still certainly wants to win some football games. So they want to keep their guys. And this is another indication that that is the case. Second thing is that this is also a strong indication that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers want Mike Evans to stick around. Um, And that's not really surprising either, right? I don't think that me and Rhett have to tell everybody watching this podcast episode that Mike Evans is very good at football Um, and that, yeah, he's a good guy to have on your football team. So, even though he is in the last year of his deal, even though there has been some speculation there, the Buccaneers have, you know, refused any offers that have been made on Evans, which is an indication that they want him to be around. Um, Those are a couple of takeaways that I had from these reports coming out, regardless of whatever the timeline may look at. Those are some pretty healthy takeaways that, that I have coming away from that. And um yeah, it shows that the Bucks do want to win some football games, and it also shows that, yeah, they, they want Mike Evans to stick around, Rhett.
1: Yeah, I'm not going to sit here and call Jason Light a liar, uh, but he has said since the beginning of this entire situation that he does look forward to having Mike Evans back in Tampa Bay, even beyond this season. And the fact that they did not move him at the deadline not only shows you where their expectations are with this team for the rest of the season, but where their expectations are on a potential new contract for Mike Evans. So a positive update at least having him finish out the rest of the season. And also just a good update that the Bucks are not in a situation where, like we had talked about, you know, if this team is, has one or two less wins, they could potentially be talking about selling off more pieces than they did. But this is the year to find out what this roster is capable of, and they are looking to do just that. Let's get into the injury report and talk about who's going to be in and out for this week's game. We just spent a lot of time talking about Mike Evans. This was a rest week for Big Mike. No practice at all for him this week, but... I mean, when you're in year 10 and you are a caliber player that Mike Evans is, especially a a bona fide wide receiver one in the NFL, there's some guys in the NFL that can go a full week without practice and still go out there and perform. So for Mike Evans, he's been looking to get healthy because he popped up on the injury report for the first time a couple of weeks ago, and I think having a lot of the breaks that the Bucs have is going to help him, but uh, should expect him to give it a go this coming Sunday. The only two players confirmed out for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers Our left guard, Matt Filer, so Aaron Stinney going to be starting for the second week in a row at that left guard spot, and defensive lineman, Logan Hall. Now, we can, I guess, pick what side of the football you wanted to talk about because Aaron Stinney going to be the conversation filling in at left guard, and then with the absence of Logan Hall at the defensive line, I can only think of one guy, and that is more snaps for Kalijah Kansi, which I am always in favor of. So uh,
0: what side of the trenches do you want to cover here first? Let's start with the defensive, just because I feel like that one is definitely not. It's going to sound like weird, but like College Kansi's already been playing a ton, right? Um, He's already a starter, Rhett, on the defensive line in terms of playing next to Vita Vea and whatnot. So, what I think is going to be interesting about this is going to be the overall, um, you know, play of Will Golston and some other guys are going to be filling in like Mike green, maybe getting some more playing time and maybe even Deidre and could be getting some more playing time as well. Those are going to be some guys where you take a look at that and see, um, you know, guys getting more playing time. And and also obviously Kalaj cancer is going to be out there more just to have a, you know, more consistency with the offensive line and whatnot. But um, I, I think it's definitely going to be interesting um, to see some of those guys get some more opportunities, see what they can do. Of course, in the case of um, Will Golson, he's been here before. I think it's like year ten for him, or something along those lines. You're, you're so, eleven, yeah. So even even more so to the case. So it's it's going to be a good thing to see Golson out there. Going to be a good thing to see some more of those younger guys out there that we don't get to see very often. Um, but also, like like you said, I'm excited to see Kalachikansy. He's had some really good moments whenever he has been out there since coming back from injuries. So. Definitely, definitely a good reason to be excited there. And also Vita Vea coming back healthy as well.
1: Yeah, Vita Vea coming back healthy is going to be a huge factor on that defensive line. We've talked in seasons before about his presence and his ability to open things up for some of the other guys on that defensive line. Now, while we focus on this defensive line, I think that brings us to the the pass rush. Honestly, uh, Kalijah Kansi hats off to him has been playing well. He's been effective. You can notice that he is out there. But even when he is out there, this pass rush just cannot seem to get pressure with four down linemen. Shaq Barrett has been underwhelming this season. Joe Tryon, Shoyinka has three sacks on the year. Not great, but not where he should be. Vita Vea for the second season in a row up until this point, leads the team in sacks, which is not a very desirable stat. I mean, Vita Vea is a monster, so we need to give him all the credit in the world. But you definitely don't want a 350-pound D-tackle leading your team in uh, quarterback pressures and sacks by this point in the season. But we look at the offensive line for the Houston Texans, and as we dive a little bit more into this Texans team, it's important to note they are not the Texans of years past. I mean, even in 2019, the last time these two teams played, they got the better of Tampa Bay thanks to some offensive interceptions. But realistically, this is a good-looking team, and it's an underrated-looking offense. C.J. Stroud has been playing like one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL, not only against the Blitz But he looks like the best rookie out of this class from last year. And he's got the Houston Texans playing, maybe not winning football, but winning more than they have been, sitting at a 3-4 and record. Damian Pierce is going to be out at the running back position. So it means Devin Singletary, the former Chicago Bear, former Buffalo Bill. This guy's been a little bit of everywhere. He will step in and play. Nico Collins at wide receiver. Robert Woods will be out. So their number two option at wide receiver, another big piece missing on this Houston offense. But those are the two biggest players out they're going to have for this game. But the offensive line, this is what I wanted to get around to. At left tackle, you've got Laramie Tunsell, who at one time was the highest paid left tackle in the NFL. Left guard, Titus Howard. Center, Michael Deiter. Right guard, Shaq Mason, former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. And then right tackle, George Fant. Now, a lot of people look at Shaq Mason at that guard spot, and they're going to get upset, and they're going to start talking about how the Bucks may have some discrepancies at the guard position ever since moving on from Shaq Mason. But I do think an important tidbit a lot of people seem to forget is that the Bucks only moved on from Shaq Mason because of the cap hell they found themselves in, so they needed some relief in that move, even though in hindsight not a lot of people are going to be happy about letting a veteran like that go. But I am worried about this pass rush this week. I, I, I do think uh, the lack of pressure that we have seen from Tampa Bay Even though he's a rookie quarterback and he's prone to mistakes, CJ Stroud has been playing well enough that, you know, if you give him enough time, I'm worried he's going to pick us apart this week.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's a good line, right? Like I loved Shaq Mason for the bucks. I thought he was a very good guy. Um, You know, you've had a lot of different guys in there. Jarrett Patterson's been in there. George Fant has been in there. Um, Laramie Tunso, we talked about him. Yeah. you know, you've had a lot of different guys going in in a lot of different situations. They've been banged up a little bit. This looks like this is going to be the healthiest the offensive line has been for the Texans. And yes, Damian Pierce is out. Yes, Robert Woods is out. Um, Tank Dell has been doing some really good things for the Texans now the past few weeks. If you guys are big fantasy football folks, uh, if you know, you know. But, um, you know, it's just been, I agree, Rhett. Like, it's not good that Vitavea is the top sat guy. Your nose tackle is your top, Pass rusher right now. Joe schoenka has got to step up. Jack barrett's definitely got to step up. Um, and, and really just a lot of the other rotational guys, Anthony Nelson, Yaya Diaby, um, you know maybe even Cam Gill a little bit. And I, and I think bringing back Kalajic can or Kansi returning is certainly going to help, right? Like he's he's only played in four games and he's tied for second on quarterback hits this year. Kalajicansy is so that's certainly going to help. This pass rush, um, but we've got to see more. Like I, rem- I remember talking about. It. I'm sure you guys talked about it as well here on the podcast. Like, you know, maybe the Bucks should have been interested in trading for a pass rusher. Like Chase Young was out there, Montez Sweat was out there. Chase Young would have been so cool to see on this defense. Yeah, um, the point pick
1: for a third round pick. You know, I know that we haven't really supported the narrative of throwing away future picks, and I know a third round pick can, can t- uh, potentially still contribute on this Bucks team but just like you said they've been missing that and like even when this defense was good it always felt like they were missing that one next level pass rusher to to really be feared along that d-line
0: yeah no i i agree 100% so i mean like you know I, I, personally i would have paid um a i would have paid a third round pick for for him um for for Chase Young that is but, you know, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers didn't. It, it is what it is. Um, and now guys have got to step up, right? And it's not for a lack of investment. You know, Vita Vea, a former first-round pick. Joe Tronishoenka, a former first-round pick. Shaq Barrett got a big deal. Anthony Nelson got re-signed. Just got Kalajikansi, first-round pick. Just, you know, guys. But Yaya Diaby's a third-round pick. Like, it, it's not for a lack of, of, of investment. It's just more so guys need to step up. And, you know... Again, this is why a game like this is so important. Is if you can get some pressure on on CJ Stroud, really make him make some bad decisions as a rookie quarterback, you're you're only helping the case here. So I think pass rush is going to be huge. Exactly like what you were saying with Logan Hall being out, that certainly doesn't really help the case, but maybe that means a guy like Elijah Kansas can step up.
1: Yeah, and just to put even more emphasis on getting pressure on CJ Stroud with just four down linemen. I, I mentioned it before, I'll say it again. C.J. Stroud, so far this season when he is blitzed, a 66.7 completion percentage, 9.3 yards per attempt in passing, and three touchdowns. I believe a couple hundred passing yards in there as well. The Bucks cannot just expect to get home with a blitz this week. I mean, it, it they haven't been able to expect that the last few weeks because they haven't been getting home with anything. I mean, Todd Bowles, you know, some weeks he's not as crazy about the blitz, but even when he's sending guys like Levante David and Devin White at the quarterback, they're not always getting there. You know, I, I can't imagine the last time I saw a Bucks linebacker hit the QB was Levante David taking down Jared Goff in that creamsicle game a few weeks ago. Since then, I'm racking my brain trying to think of any other time I've seen either 54 or 45 actually get to, you know, the, the opposing team's quarterback, and I cannot think of it. So not only is Stroud good against the Blitz, but he's one of those guys who is athletic enough to potentially burn you with his legs. And, and that's going to come down on the linebackers. That's going to come down on a lot of these guys looking to set the edge. I don't know what the run game is going to look like for Houston this week because, again, they are down Damian Pierce. So Devin Singletary is a capable backup. He's a guy who has given the Bucs fits in the past, so I am a little worried about that. Um, but realistically, you know, pressure is going to be the big difference maker this week. If you give C.J. Stroud as much time if you as you gave Josh Allen, Jared
0: Goff even though he's a rookie QB this this could be a long afternoon yeah no I mean I agree um First and foremost, you got to get you got to get pressure. And I know Todd Bowles loves to blitz, right? Like that's just kind of been his M.O. But like you also got to be able to get pressure whenever you're not blitzing. Um, otherwise, you're just putting your defense in bad situations. Um, Christian is is also going to be questionable for this game with an illness. Um, so that's certainly notable. Um, he's been playing very well for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers throughout the first half. So like that's also another reason like, OK, you're going to be putting in another rotational corner. Um you know, can you afford to blitz with, with a little bit of a weakness there in your secondary? You know, I don't know, you know, that's, that's just going to be another, another point to make there is to say like, you know, yeah, you really got to get pressure without blitzing. Yeah. Now's the time.
1: The defensive philosophy this week from Todd Bowles is going to be interesting because he has shown he's good enough to make some adjustments. And I think this week the bucks are going to have to, Uh, if you play as much soft zone as you have these last couple of weeks and just don't get any pressure on the QB uh, it, it, it could be a long afternoon, like I have been saying. Let's talk about the other side of the football for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We talked about Matt Filer not playing at that left guard position, so Aaron Stinney going to get his second start of the 2023 NFL season. He didn't look awful last week, but really, I mean, the offensive line didn't look great as a unit last week, so it's hard to put too much pressure on, on one guy or the other. Tristan Wirf seemingly back at full strength after having a scary brush in a couple of weeks ago during that game. I was worried, and I was even um, more worried yeah. when I saw Tristan Wirfs trying to play through the pain because we have seen him do that in the postseason before, and it ultimately ended his season.
0: Yeah, you know, I was worried. I was definitely worried whenever you see a guy going to the blue medical tent. It's like, oh, uh, what's happening here? You know, like, is everything uh, okay with <laughs> Tristan Wirfs? But it seems like he's okay. And uh, obviously Aaron Sydney filling in for Matt Byler. Rhett, I'm going to be honest, this is why. You know, some people may disagree, but this is this is the more interesting player out for me than Logan Hall is is Matt Filer here. I have an interesting quote because uh, Aaron Sydney, like you said, he didn't play bad last week and they asked Dave Canales. This is from yesterday, I believe um, the second. On how Aaron Stinney did at left guard, and Dave Canal said he played great, had a good couple of runs where he really moved some people and had some power and pass protection. It was his first shot really in there since the preseason to go against some guys and did pretty well. He's got room for improvement there. I love seeing his athleticism, length, and power in the run game. That was really cool. Here is my question to you, Rhett. If Aaron Stinney does good yet again today, or not today, this week versus the Houston Texans. Could we see a permanent change there at left guard? Uh, You know, is this an opportunity for Stinney to kind of get a a true chance to to be the starting left guard moving forward? And maybe you see Matt Filer be benched. The reason I say that is because you take a look at the yards per attempt, and I know Buffalo obviously did not, you know, doesn't have the best um, rushing defense in the entire league, but that was Rashad White's, best yards per attempt he's had all year um, besides the one game versus Buffalo where he also had 4.3, but Rashad white, I know is only nine carries as well. So a small sample size, but still 4.3 yards per attempt. That's tied for his best on the season so far. So we've talked about the struggles of the interior line in the past. I mean, it's, it's been a thing all year. The bucks can't run the football and the interior offensive line can't run block. That's how it's been. You put in Aaron city for one game, uh, you know, looks a little bit better. Right. So I wonder if I do wonder where if Cinny goes in there and has another decent game and the Bucks are able to run the football a little bit better and maybe take control of this game like they haven't been able to in the past. Like, you know, we, we've seen them try and do against the the Saints, the Vikings and the Bears. Does Aaron Stinney stay in and Matt Filer goes to the bench? What do you think?
1: I'm glad you brought that up because I I, I brought this hypothetical situation up when we first found out Filer was going to be going down and Stinney coming in. I think Stinney does have what it takes to go in there and play well enough to not give Filer this job back. I honestly think the Bucks have already seen what Filer has put on tape over the first seven, eight weeks of the season. And I think they've moved on. You know, my gut says we're going to be looking for another left guard, whether we promote from within or we get one in the draft or we look at potential free agents after shifting some more guys around on this offensive line. I don't know how they address the potential hole at O-line this coming offseason, but I, I do think that there is a real shot that just like you said, Aaron Stinney could play well enough to not give this job back. And I'm glad you brought up the run game as well because it's a great transition point. Last week, for the first time all season, I think, Rashad White averaged over four yards a carry. And if he didn't only get eight or nine carries in that game, I think he was on pace to have probably one of his most effective games yet this year running the football. But when you're down 24 to 10 in the third quarter, you got to stop running the ball so much and start playing catch-up. So... The Bucs have beaten teams this year with good ball control football, effective running, and defense that plays just well enough for you to win. You know, maybe forcing a couple of turnovers is going to help too. I do think turnovers are going to be at a premium this game. We'll talk about that here shortly. But I think if Rashad White comes out in this first half and he looks just as good as he did before they shut him down last week, it is a serious conversation to be had. The improvement from that interior offensive line. Now there was an interesting stat though. And we talk about the lack of run game and we have associated it really do a little bit of everything. Like it's a little bit of the O line. It's a little bit of the running backs. It's a little bit of the run scheme and the coordinators. All of that can be true, but here is an interesting, uh, not too great stat about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and their run game. I'm trying to get this pulled up here. I appreciate your patience. Apologies but it's just about the effectiveness of this run game and the percentage of successful hits here. Hold on. Let me find it. Da, da, da. stand by. I want to make sure I get the correct information. I know I'm leaving you hanging here. I apologize that this has taken so long. All right. How often teams do not run into their intended run gap and their rushing success rate. When that happens, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, have 22 rushes where the runner does not run into the gap they're supposed to. And they have had an unsuccessful rushing attempt on every single play, which is the lowest percentage in the NFL. But not just that. It is the lowest percentage in the NFL by quite an impressive margin. The, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are at 0% success rate when running not into the intended gap. The next closest team are the Kansas City Chiefs, pretty much right next to the Atlanta Falcons at around 14% whenever the running back does not hit the correct gap. So I think for Rashad White, vision this week is going to be important. And maybe he's been lacking vision with Filer in there these last couple of weeks. I'm not really sure how to explain it. But the proof is in the pudding. Last week was one of the most effective games he has had running the football. And Chase Edmonds coming back for another week in a row off of IR hopefully filling in at the running back two spot. I hope he gets his healthy amount of carries this week, at least four or five for the boy. But if they can get that run game rolling in the first half this week, I think it definitely changes up what their offensive approach is going to be, uh, knowing that you can start to rely on the run game a little bit more, which has been something that We haven't been able to say at all this season. Maybe the first two weeks of the year. And aside from that, you know, you could rely on the run game, but we were still asking for a little bit more. But all in all, back to what you said, I think that's a great point that Aaron Stinney could potentially come in here. He has starting experience. I know the Super Bowl season was over three years ago now, but he still has starting experience, and he's been good so far. So these next couple of weeks are going to be telling, but I think this is Stinney's job until he loses it.
0: Yeah, you just said something that was so interesting to me. It was the vision thing with Rashad White. Do you remember whenever Jameis had LASIK, and and we were yeah. all like, "This is it. He's gonna be good now." It's the
1: turning point.
0: Yeah, Are you saying like, Rashad White
1: might need some uh, corrective eye surgery.
0: Is that just what all the running backs need at this point? Like, I don't know. Like, it's it's just it's funny, right? Like, it's it's weird. It's like, how do you do? How do you how do you explain away or how how do you make a, a an analytical point of? And they just can't see like, I don't <laughs> I don't know the uh, the fix for that, man. But it is interesting, like you said. And Rashawn um, White's
1: not a small back either. You know, he's no Deuce Vaughn back there. So it, it's not like he can't see as well as most of these other effective backs in the NFL.
0: Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what the what the fix is for that. Um, maybe it's just getting guys in, you know, maybe it's just something that fixes on fixes itself. I, I don't know, man. Um, it's weird though, yeah. But but like you said, you know, like what we just talked about, maybe Aaron Stenny. You know, he has. A, I think he has a legitimate chance to be to be that guy moving forward. Just because with the struggles um, of this interior offensive line with run blocking and whatnot, you know, we we've talked about it before. That's what this team wants to be: is a run first team, a team that you know can really be balanced and whatnot. And you just brought in a guy who just gave Rashad White his best yards per attempt tied for his best yards per attempt this year. Maybe you keep on rolling with that guy. It's, it's definitely a possibility. So uh, we will see, man, but yeah, big opportunity for Stinney for sure.
1: For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early. So everyone can go home on time. There's Granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts. So you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. More matchup in the trenches here I want to talk about, and our moderator Willie Beeman brought it up. But that is Luke Gedeke at the right tackle position, or Tristan Wors at the left tackle position, wherever they decide to line him up. But the matchup between Will Anderson Jr. and whoever he's going to be shadowing on Sunday afternoon. Now, Will Anderson Jr. for being a top draft pick has been a little underwhelming as a pass rusher. Only one sack so far on the season. But that does not mean he can't take your lunch money. We've talked before about the development of these pass rushers and how sometimes it's going to take a little bit longer. You know, It's going to take two to three seasons maybe to see the full extent of that guy's tool set, what he's capable of. And Anderson has put some good on film so far for the Texans this year, but it just hasn't resulted in sacks. But I, I do think that this isn't the most formidable defensive line, especially after the last couple of weeks the Bucks have faced, but I do think it is going to be a good test for Luke Gedeke, who's who's looking to bounce back. I, I think he played okay last week, but, you know, this interior especially, Ed Oliver was having a field day with the interior offensive line last week. Cody Malk. Going to be looking to bounce back. Robert Haynesy as well. And then, of course, Aaron Stinney making his second straight start there at the left guard position. But along this Texans defensive line, you got Will Anderson at left defensive end. Dylan Horton, the rotational player behind him. Malik Collins at D-tackle. Former Buccaneers draft pick Khalil Davis is a rotational D-lineman for the Houston Texans. Uh, Sheldon Rankins, their probably biggest name D-tackle, is questionable headed into this matchup. I want to assume he plays, but... You never really know. Kurt Heinisch also on there as well. Jonathan Greener, Jerry Hughes, Denzel Perryman at the Mike linebacker position, Shaquille Griffin at corner, Jimmy Ward at safety, Jalen Petre at safety, and uh, Steven Nelson rounding out that other cornerback spot. So the names might not be there. But it doesn't mean you can get cute with the offensive game plan this week. I, I think... Uh, I think realistically you can't underestimate any team at this point in the season with an offense that has been as underwhelming as the Bucks has so far this season. But when you look at Dave Canales, James, and you look at maybe what he brings to the game plan this week, I know we just talked a lot about the run game, but what else are you looking for from, uh, from big Dave looking to bounce back?
0: Yeah, well, firstly, I, I want to talk about Jonathan Greenard. Um, he's been kind of home. He's been kind of going crazy. He's got six sacks so far this year and through seven games. Um, He's coming off of a two and a half sack game that he had versus the Carolina Panthers um on October 29th versus, uh, you know, they lost that game, but still it's basically been Jonathan Greenard and then everybody else. Um, which has been interesting um so you know that is one guy that i would definitely keep an eye out for i'm um, like what you said like will anderson's an interesting guy's third overall pick in the most recent nfl draft cj shop was the second overall pick um you know it's it's gonna be some interesting matchups for Tunsil and um get um at the tackle positions and whatnot um what what to see from dave canales um you know there's been a lot of talk about not rolling out baker and that's been successful for the bucks recently i'm not a big super big like you know x's and o's guys like that you know in terms to say like hey you know what works in what situations and what doesn't i'm just gonna be honest i'm not that smart but um you know it's it's still if it works you know that's gonna be one thing to to definitely look to do more um it, what what an interesting dynamic right like where Dave Canalis said, like, you know, hey, we still want to run the football. And then you've got your quarterback saying, hey, we're not a run first team, guys. It's like, what a weird duality, right? Of of what what are we talking about here? Um, so, I, I, you know, and there's even been some talk about them trying their own version of the quarterback sneak. I don't care what anybody says with a new name. It's not called the Tush Push, it's called the quarterback sneak. It's okay. The Huh? It's the brotherly, the brotherly shove. shove. No, yeah. it's the quarterback sneak. All right. Um, You know, they've been trying their own stuff with that. And I, I don't know, man. I mean, I, I think their goal is to t- still try and run the football well and do some play action type of stuff. I think that's going to be what you're going to going to try and see from the Bucks in this upcoming game and obviously getting Mike Evans and Chris Godwin involved And we'll just see if if all the different types of stuff they've been trying are going to be working. Maybe they will run the football more um, now that Aaron Stinney's been in there. So we're just going to have to wait and see.
1: I know special teams isn't something that gets too much attention here on the show unless we're talking about a field goal kicker or maybe the return game. But special teams this week is going to be a lot more important than it has in seasons past because I don't know if a lot of people have noticed this, but the Buccaneers have had 11 drives this season start inside their own 10-yard line, which is tied with the Cardinals for the most in the NFL. They have scored uh, one of those 11 drives, and they got a touchdown. The defense has had opponents start seven drives inside their 10 with a touchdown and field goal from those same situations. So not only is fielding punts going to be important, which I can't believe I've I've said that, but you're going to have to get better with your field position this week. You cannot expect an offense that can barely do anything to begin with to go march 90-plus yards down the field every single time you give them the football. But we talked about the effectiveness of the run game and obviously expectations for Dave Canales this week. Wanted to get some more thoughts on Baker Mayfield and where you think he is so far because a lot of people think the clock is ticking for Baker. And I think, you know, if he plays two or three more bad games, then obviously we're going to have the discussion about benching him. But I do think people think his leash is shorter than it really is. Um, I, I had seen a lot of discourse today on on the Twitter app, as you normally do, and that's always good, especially when you got, you know, Buccaneers beat writers getting angry with fans. <laughs> uh, that's always entertaining. But, you know, talking about Baker so far this season, it, it's hard to say that he has been great, but it's also hard for me to say that he has been just god-awful. You know, yeah. like I think, I think a lot of the a lot of the a lot of the ways that this offense has come up short so far this season. Part of it is because Baker simply has to play better. You know, we have we have talked at nauseam these last couple of weeks just about all the things that could be better and should be better on this Buccaneers offense. But Baker Mayfield, I I feel like if you give him a run game this week he's going to bounce back and he's going to play well and he's, and he's going to have a lot more people talking about the upside that he brings to this team. I I think realistically a lot of people, I mean, tempering expectations has been a hot topic this year as well. You know, a lot of people had to come to come to come to terms with the fact that the Bucks probably weren't going to win a Super Bowl this year. You know, that, that was breaking news to a lot of people after week seven, but the spot that they were in, $56 $56 million over the cap to start the offseason. you got to make all of these strategic moves to field a team, and it's a team that a lot of people thought this year was only going to win one or two games. Not a lot of people around here, don't get me wrong, nobody on this podcast said the Bucks were going to be 2-15 and 15 this year. But a lot of the media thought they were going to be a top-five bottom team in the NFL, and now we're talking about them winning enough games this year to get a draft pick in the first round for 2024 that isn't really going to help them. Um... So going back to Baker, you know, I, I really do think that he needs to be better. But do you get the feeling that I do and in, in, in where it's like, I think he's farther away than people think he is to, to potentially winding up on the bench
0: still. So I'm so happy you brought this up because this has been something that I've been thinking a lot about. And I've heard the opinions, right? I don't know who is popping off on Twitter today, by the way. Uh, for the media. Was oh, it, it Stroud? Was, it was probably it was, Stroud.
1: Yeah, it was Rick Stroud and
0: Greg Allman were, uh, were really giving it to some people today. Now, what was their point? Were, were they saying that Baker hasn't been doing as bad as people think they that he's they, been doing? Or? They
1: talked about everything from Todd Bowles' mentality in the locker room to Baker Mayfield not necessarily being the guy. Rick Stroud, in particular, I mean...
0: Was going crazy.
1: Oh, my God, dude. I Seriously. Like he said, uh, Baker Mayfield for $4 million is probably the best thing they could have done. Neither Garoppolo or Derek Carr, who cost a ton more, have winning records or performances right now, which is a fantastic point. Uh, I don't know. Here we go. So someone else had told Stroud, uh, if only Todd Bowles had the greatest QB of all time, he would know if he was good. Wait, he went under five hundred with that quarterback. And Rick Stroud said that 45-year-old Goat who lost 20 pounds in a starting center and needed five fourth quarter Or OT wins to reach the playoffs. Did you know that both running backs from that team were out of the NFL until Lenny was signed to the Bills practice squad? I'm muting you. Your 15 minutes are up. And then someone else replied, and they said, Todd Bowles will be fired before the end of next season. I'll refer to this tweet when you write up your article. And then Stroud responds and says, I don't know if he will be or not, and it's not my concern or my call. But if you were telling me after winning a Super Bowl and back-to-back division titles, you expect a ton better in the first seven weeks from this team that started $56 million over the cap, you are delusional. And I do not like to support Rick Stroud that often because he has done a lot of wrong in the past and he's definitely not the best Bucks beat writer we have, but I mean, he was making point after point today. And, and I really think as far as tempering expectations with this team, you know, we can be upset that they're not as good as we want them to be. We can be upset that they're bad. But I think context is important, and just like Rick Stroud said right there, I, I think this Bucks team is far, far better than where a lot of people had them pegged so far this season.
0: Yeah, so so let's just kind of talk about this, right? Like, kind of more in depth. Um, I'm happy you brought it up because i I've heard people say, you know, and I agree you you put it perfectly. People think Baker's leash is shorter than what it really is, right? I think the Bucks have been very satisfied. It, this is my opinion. It is subjective. I think the Bucs have been satisfied in some way, happy in some way with how Baker has been doing. Because if you hear the coaching staff talk, what is Dave Canales and Todd Bulls been talking about so often? They can't run the football, right? And I feel like they think that that is a way bigger deal to why the offense is not successful than Baker Mayfield. I think that they feel that Baker Mayfield is doing enough to win football games. I think that if I had to guess the mindset of the coaching staff, they think the running game is the biggest issue right now. They, they, They probably feel that Baker is far from the furthest issue right now on this offense. And I just want to reiterate, Baker
1: does have to be better. The shortcomings of this offense, he plays a hand in. Like there have yeah. been multiple throws that he should have made. You know, there's just been some off-target mm. issues. There have been some issues with hanging on to the football for too long, taking an unnecessary sack or just, you know, not trying to make a play in a position where you should be trying to make a play, especially at the end of the game when you've only got a couple of minutes to win. So Baker has yeah. not been perfect. But just like Sprout right. says here, given what's in front of him, his fourth team in 16 months, first-time play caller and offensive line issues, I think he's been okay. And I definitely don't think he's as close to being benched as a lot of people would like to believe. I, I think, just like Evan has said before, if the Bucks eventually turn over to Kyle Trask, this season is over. I mean, by the time we see Kyle Trask come in in the regular season, unless it's injury, this season is probably long over by the time we finally get to that point.
0: Yeah, I, I think that Baker's been playing fine so far this year. And and I agree, and I will say that I, I does Baker need to play better? Yes. Is Baker the worst part about this offense right now? No. <laughs> no, he is not. Uh they have a league worst rushing attack, and it's just not even close, right? Um the offensive line has not been great so far this year in terms of run blocking uh and a little bit in pass blocking as well in terms of the interior offensive line and whatnot um now does baker get a lot of passes batted down at the defensive line of scrimmage yes does he miss some throws on deep balls to guys like trey palmer and whatnot yes but uh, i i think that i would agree and maybe some people will agree maybe some people will disagree that I, i don't think baker is benchable Right now, he's not playing that bad, folks. Ten, you know, ten touchdowns to four interceptions. He's not turning the ball over, um, and he he's doing enough to you know still still go out there and play some decent football. Now, you know, again, he's not playing great, but I don't think he's playing terrible either. He's playing okay.
1: Yeah, I uh, I think it's going to be interesting. You know, it, the box score. The stats so far, you just talked about the touchdown interception ratio, 10 TDs to four picks so far on the season, over 1,000 yards passing. I do think it is a little deceptive because I don't think he's quite been as good as one would think when they hear that stat line. Yeah. Like if you,
0: if you, if you look at the stat line, you see 64 completion percentage, 1600 yards, 10 touchdowns, four picks, uh, you know, only sacked however many times he's been sacked he's only been sacked 11 times this year yeah um you know you would sit there and think like that's not a bad year from baker but like it's definitely been like for sure mediocre yeah
1: i think when you look at that stat line your first thought isn't this team is averaging 17 points per game and that's going to be the final issue we talk about before we get into our score predictions here is the scoring offense? Uh, red zone offense has obviously been a struggle for the Bucks. When they can get there, we talked about the run game, the offensive line. Both of those looking to bounce back this week, and ultimately create more opportunities. I, I, I think, I think this is a week where the Bucks have a legitimate chance for things to to just play into their favor for once. You know, these last couple of weeks, it seems like whenever things can go wrong, they usually do. And the Bucks have lost to better teams. Now, I think the Houston Texans are a good team. I haven't watched a lot of the Houston Texans this season. I'll be honest with you. I haven't watched them every week. So I could be wrong. We could get a bunch of angry Texans fans in the comment section when I I say the following comment. But, well, I think the Texans are good. I think when the Bucs have played their best ball this year, I don't think the Texans are better. I think the Bucs have a better group of players at their core. I think they have more experience, which is going to help them in the long run. I think this is a defense that can force takeaways even though the turnover differential in this game is going to be kind of crazy the Bucks with the NFL's best turnover differential and the Texans I believe not very notorious for turning the ball over I should have a I should have a better stat for you here in a second courtesy of Greg Allman but let me see sorry this is taking so long I should probably have these ready to go whenever I tease stats that way I can just read them and not have to sound like an idiot while I scramble and look them up so turnovers are going to be hard to come by and Bucks Texans on Sunday. Houston impressively has an NFL low 4 turnovers all season long despite a rookie quarterback while Tampa Bay is tied for second fewest with 6 and 7 games. The Bucks have the league's best turnover margin at plus 8. The Texans are at plus 5. So protecting the football is is already going to be number 1 on everybody's to-do list this week, especially for Tampa Bay. Cleaning up that discipline is going to be something else. We have not talked about that, but Jesus Christ, you have got to stop getting ten false start penalties a game. We just can't do it.
0: No, we I mean, cannot it,
1: do it and win football games.
0: No, I mean, and that's and that's also one of the reasons why the offense hasn't been effective is been all the freaking penalties, Red holdings, false starts. Uh, it, it's just been. It's been so frustrating to see. I got to think,
1: I got to think not to cut you off here, but I got to think based off of and I'm sure that there is a stat like this somewhere. I don't think I'm going to find it in time, but I have to think based off of just the plays that have come back for this Buccaneers offense due to a holding or due to a false start the Bucks probably lead some sort of category about like the most yards taken away because of penalties. Like it seems like every single time these last few weeks, the offense finally finds some momentum. They get that big 10, 15, 20 yard play down the field. Oh, holding left guard. yeah, Number 64 replay. Second yeah. down.
0: Yeah, no, I know it, it, it's, it's been, I know a lot of Bucks fans are frustrated with it. I understand it completely. It's, Trust me, I I I, I hear it. Um, you also look, I mean, it's, yeah, it's just frustrating, man. It just is. Um, they got to stop getting drive-killing penalties. Um, have definitely got to do better with that because then you'll also see some changes in the offense as well. All right, so let's get
1: into some score predictions for this week's game. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the road playing at 1 o'clock once again. The white-on-white uniforms, everybody's favorite kit. What do you think, James? I, I don't see a lot of fireworks happening between these teams, and that's simply because of the turnover differential. Now, this could be a trap game. This could be an anomaly game. You know, both of these teams come in with, with some of the best turnover differentials in the league, and somehow they both walk out this Sunday with three-plus turnovers. I don't quite think that happens, but I do think the Bucks come out on top. And I have been sticking with my low-score predictions, and I'm going to do it for another week in a row because – we just talked about this offense averaging 17 points per game. I don't know if this week is going to be the week where they get over 28 points even. That would be quite the anomaly so far. But I do think the Bucks win. It's a tough road win. You're looking to avoid losing four in a row after a 3-1 start. I just, I think the Bucs are a little bit better than what their record shows. And it's hard to say that because in the NFL you are what your record says you are and the Bucs have lost to better teams. But I think they bounce back this week. I think they get right. I've got the Buccaneers coming out on top. I've used this score prediction before, I'll use it again. 21-17. I think this is a close game. I think at times it is frustrating. But if the run game gets going this week and Aaron Stinney looks good for another week in a row, if you can keep those yards per carry up for a guy like Rashad White and keep those legs fresh and healthy headed into the end of this game, I think the Bucs go back to what worked before, you know, when they were beating teams like New Orleans and Chicago and Minnesota early in the season. They were doing it by running the football, controlling the clock and playing some suffocating defense. And the pass rush is going to be questionable, but I do think they have the talent to come away with a few takeaways this week. What do you think James?
0: I'm going to give the bucks a win here. 24 to 20. Um, I think the offense can get going a little bit. Um, Obviously the Texans having a couple of guys out is, is not great. Um, and I, again, I just think it's going to be a little bit of a low-scoring game. Um, you know, two pretty decent offenses that don't turn over the ball is is going to be, you know, a fun thing to watch. And and I think that you're just going to get a pretty solid game out of both these teams that are both, you know, trying to get back to 500 football. Um, and I just give the Buccaneers the edge here, just just barely.
1: Looking to get back into the NFC South race. Big game against the Texans this week. Looking to get them right. But ladies and gentlemen... That's just about going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. This week's game preview episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Excuse me. Follow the show on social media. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Subscribe to us here on YouTube for more great Tampa Bay Buccaneers content. I haven't officially announced it, but whenever Evan comes back off of his uh, suspension... I think he'll be bringing some new and exclusive content here to the Cannon Fire Podcast YouTube channel. Also, let us know what you guys think about the new looks, new digs. We've had the same show layout for literally like four seasons, five seasons, I think, ever since we started doing video. So we tried to clean it up, change some things, maybe some more changes to come. Who knows? But uh, always appreciate the feedback. Follow my co-host, James. On social media at Mr. Bucks Nation. And you can check out his video work here on YouTube at Mr.
0: Bucks Nation. What have you got cooking this week? Yeah, I just did a video today um, regarding the injury report for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Um, I'm going to have a preview out tomorrow. uh, And then got my game live stream on Sunday. So that should be a lot of fun. Also, uh, the next day, I'm going to be doing a show with Bleacher Report. Report, just kind of going over some stuff as well so if you guys want go download the bleacher report app so you can watch that live stream as well it's got a lot of different content coming out
1: that bleacher report stream you said will be on monday correct
0: as far as i know yes i'll have to check the email but i believe it's on monday
1: so can i tell the people now
0: that That we're doing something afterwards
1: that you're going to be joining us sunday after the game live right here youtube.com forward slash Fire podcast
0: yes i should be able to make it awesome i cannot
1: wait that's the show, folks. Thank you again for listening. We'll talk to you Sunday after the game, right here at YouTube.com forward slash Canonfire Podcast, win, lose, or draw. We will be live and taking your calls on the Canon Fire Hotline. I'm your host, Rick Matthew, signing off for my co-host James Hill. We'll talk to you in the next one. Until then, and as always, thank you for listening and go bucks.
0: Thank you for listening to
1: Believe.